Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. Glad to have you with me. I hope you had a great holiday and are preparing for the next one. We haven't put the Christmas decorations up yet. The kids like woke up the day after Thanksgiving. They're like, go get the tree. Go get the tree. We, we have a fake one because I'm allergic to the real ones. Um, and I'm like, I just, I mean, can we not pretend to still be in Thanksgiving? But I realize at some point I'm going to have to go get the tree and, and put it up and decorate the house and everything. I'm just, I don't know. I'm not mentally prepared yet. <laughs> it's kind of a lot of work, um, but we'll get there. So I, I want to go down the beaten path with you a little bit. I, I, I'm kind of surprised that everybody's kind of settling back in. I got a bunch of text messages from reporters today about the Georgia runoff. It's like everybody's been on Thanksgiving and now they're back. But I want to talk about something in particular that happened. I have a concern I want to share with you that is becoming more and more obvious over time. I think a large number of members of the American mainstream press don't really know their place. And they've gotten a little bit heavy-handed, more than a little bit. I So I, I'm going to try not to be insulting. I'm going to try. Here's my concern. I honestly, sincerely, genuinely, and truly believe a free people require a free press. But I don't think we have a free press. We have a press held hostage to their fears of one side and their biases against people not like them. Last week, I played you the clip of Ben Collins, the supposed reporter on dystopias and disinformation for NBC News. He's a pretty progressive hack. And he essentially said that conservatives want transgender people dead which is not true. He was talking about the shooting in Colorado at the gay bar. It turns out the shooter is non-binary, uses they, them pronouns. The shooter's father was a porn actor, star. His mother, an arsonist. And Ben Collins on MSNBC was attempting to blame conservatives for the shooting, essentially saying that because conservatives have been outraged about the rise of drag queen story hours, sexualizing children, um, allowing kids to get gender sex reassignment surgeries uh, under the age of consent, that conservatives provoked the shooting. We now know this was a deeply troubled soul who identifies as non-binary on CNN. They're trying to dispute this. They brought on a, a transgender guy who now presents himself as a girl saying, well, this shooter never took the steps to affirmatively look like he was female. 
he looked very masculine, therefore he couldn't be non-binary. Uh, the absurdity of, of challenging someone's gender when it doesn't fit your narrative, uh, which they would never, ever do. And I, I find the whole thing insulting. When you have some guy come on CNN who claims to be a woman who's uh, let his hair grow out, put on makeup and raise the pitch of his voice to claim that this person who identifies as non-binary really can't be and really was a guy because he looked like a guy. Well, the dude on CNN looked like a guy with long hair and makeup on. So is he a guy? So what, what are we to do with this? This makes no sense that we have to take people's affirmations of who they are. This guy says he's non-binary. So CNN is, oh, well, this shatters the narrative of conservatives are the blame. So let's bring on someone who's transgender to say, well, this guy can't fit the narrative. What the hell is that? There's no logical consistency here. And then you've got the guy on MSNBC, Ben Collins, say, well, it's got to be conservatives who want transgender people dead when no conservative wants transgender people dead. What they want is for children not to be sexually mutilated when they can't consent to it. We have a whole disconnect in the media about half of America. They are bigoted, narrow-minded, insulting, and rude to half of America that they don't like. They are convinced if you're not with them, you're with Trump. And they're mad as hell that Elon Musk has opened the doors at Twitter. My concern again, and I don't mean to be insulting, but these people have been deeply insulting themselves to you and me. I don't want to engage in the tit for tat, but the point is, the media is one of the least trusted institutions in America today, and it's stuff like this that cause it to be that distrusted. And to see them react to Elon Musk taking over Twitter, unbanning people like Donald Trump from Twitter, who hasn't, by the way, come back to Twitter since he's been unbanned, seeing them scream about disinformation and misinformation when they themselves are guilty of it and never hold themselves accountable for it. We don't have a free press and we need a free press. This is a press captured by their own fears, hatreds, and bigotries. There are good reporters. There are really good reporters. At every network, there are great reporters. And they get a bad name because of the hacks. But I'm, I'm looking at the contempt in the press for Elon Musk and Twitter and what he's doing, allowing people to come back in. And, and I'm just, I'm kind of disturbed by just the, the, the level of, of contempt that anyone should be able to have access to Twitter. They really thought it was their playground, that they got primacy and they got priority. And you can see now increasingly how they clearly must have been working with people at Twitter to censor and silence those they disagreed with to some degree. And they're really outraged that Musk isn't playing the game with them anymore. And so now they've decided to turn their sights on him and, and they're running activists 
um, a, a hatred against Musk and Twitter. I mean, every day there's a new story. This is the beginning of the end for Twitter. Twitter's lights are going to go off. Everybody's been fired, and it hasn't happened. All the things they're speculating on haven't happened, and that speculation seems to come from their contempt. This is Howard Kurtz on Fox over the weekend. But when the Post story says many predict the restoration of banned accounts will help bring on a free-for-all hellscape, well, every single expert quoted is slamming Musk. That includes the chairman of the crusading liberal group Media Matters, described only as a nonprofit advocacy group and media watchdog, who says Twitter will become a one-stop shop for doxing and harassment and an engine of radicalization. Right. Elon Musk made clear from the start he's a free speech advocate who would end permanent bans in most cases. And most journalists preferred the old rules, which usually penalize conservatives. It did. Uh, those old rules penalized conservatives. And if you don't recognize that, you haven't been paying attention. But there's something else here, too. Twitter has less than 20% of Americans on it. Most of you listening are not on Twitter, and you should not be. Twitter is a hellscape that you should not be a part of. You do not need to be involved with. It's just not a good, healthy site for people. I kind of resent like hell that I've got to be there, but I do have to be there. I've got over 200,000 followers, and very clearly, um, since Musk kind of opened the door, my numbers have gone up from like 200,000, 218,000 followers in a matter of weeks. And I didn't think Twitter was willfully, maliciously capping people, but clearly they had to be given just the growth in two weeks of my followers. But you shouldn't be there. I, and I, I've said this before. I'll say it again. It reminds me of Mark 5 where the demon-possessed men, uh, the demons cry out to Jesus and ask to be put in the herd of uh, pigs. And he puts the demons and the pigs. They run down the hill to the, the Sea of Galilee. They drown. Well, when the pigs died, uh, demons are eternal beings. They had to go somewhere. They, they fast-forwarded to the future and created Twitter. That explains social media. Uh, it, is, it is a hellscape. I have some of the worst followers on social media and on Twitter, uh, I have to apologize to people when I retweet them that the, the level of nastiness of some people follow me. Now, listen, if, if you follow me and, and you're nice, I'm not talking about you, but if you follow me and you're nice, you know exactly what I'm talking about, the level of, of contempt and animosity from people who are there. And I've set my filters to be able to ignore it all, so I don't even see it. Yet these reporters are convinced that Twitter is their playground, and they're horrified that they now have to deal with the stuff the rest of us have dealt with, and they have no recourse other than the things the rest of us have had. There are too many reporters in America who believe freedom of the press is about them. And in the past, on Twitter, we have been exposed to reporters who argued freedom of the press was only about you if you are a paid member of the journalistic pool of America, when that's simply not true. They have decided they are the arbiters of truth, but they get things wrong too and don't want to hold themselves accountable. But yet they want to deny you access to things like Twitter. They want to stack the deck against you if you're a conservative. We should not forget, and for those of you who haven't kept up with it, you should understand the whole reason the precipitating event to Musk's awareness of the double standards and his pursuit of Twitter 
was Twitter banned the Babylon Bee account. The Babylon Bee is a Christian satire site. And they gave the, their Man of the Year award to the transgender assistant secretary of health and human services, the man who dresses as a woman, Rachel Levine, his name is. Twitter refused to turn back on the Babylon Bee accounts, or Adam Ford, the creator of Babylon Bee, refused to turn on their accounts until they deleted the tweets. They would never do that to someone on the left. In fact, there have been numerous instances of, of uh, nastiness from the left that ran afoul of Twitter guidelines that if someone on the right had said, they would have been banned, and Twitter refused to ban the people on the left and oftentimes had reporters defending the people on the left. But on Twitter, you weren't allowed to say truth that, that Rachel Levine may identify as a woman but is actually biologically a man. I myself had my account turned off for pointing out that that transgender New Zealand weightlifter was biologically male, and it is a true statement. The, the, the person is biologically male even as he identifies as a woman and competes in female events. He is biologically male with the biological organs of a man. But you weren't allowed to say that on Twitter. You weren't allowed to speak truth on Twitter. And Elon Musk bought the site. And now you're allowed to speak that truth in his actual truth on Twitter. And for a whole lot of people in the journalistic community of America who concern themselves with what is true or not, to not take offense at Twitter silencing people for speaking truth because they're all in on the transgender stuff. And then to have a guy like Ben Collins go on television and say conservatives want transgender people dead when he's the disinformation reporter with no self-awareness as to honesty or truth there, to have people at CNN who buy into the transgender stuff suddenly have a transgender person come on and say, well, this transgender person isn't transgender because they haven't dressed up like a transgender person. We have a group of people in America who are not part of a free press. They're part of a hijacked press, hijacked by their fears and bigotries, by their hatred of the other, by their contempt for others, by their arrogance and their preening by their superiority complex. And that ends badly not for them, but for all of us. Because we do need a press committed to actual truth, not their truth, not my truth, not your truth, but actual truth. And when the media is not willing to be committed to actual truth, but to the talking points of one side and to do the bidding of that one side, no one, including that side, respects them anymore because they see them as prostitutes. There are really good reporters out there who are dragged down by all of this. And I'm afraid that the media has no ability to correct itself and the situation is only going to get worse because they have no self-awareness. They have no willingness to realize they've gone too far. In fact, they see themselves on a mission to help one particular side so often, so much, so frequently in this country. Not only are the great reporters of America ignored, dragged down, even attacked by their own. But they themselves, these members of the media, they don't care that people like me can offer them these useful criticisms because they don't take it as a useful criticism. They take it as an attack because they have no ability to reflect and see that maybe they need to do something different. And that degrades all of our society and makes us all worse off because none of us can trust the news that we read on a daily basis.
the holidays are the most exciting time of the year. And if you want to enjoy them to the fullest, you need to get the best night's sleep ever, which is why you should be sleeping under Bull and Branch sheets. They're made of the finest 100% organic cotton threads on earth. And I got to tell you, I was on my front porch the other night. I'm just going to go off the script they gave me and tell you, I convinced a friend of mine through this ad you're hearing right now to buy them. And he said he and his wife got them and she couldn't believe he paid for Bowling Branch sheets. They're not that expensive. He took advantage of the deal, but she's like, oh, sheets like this, they must be super expensive. They're not. And then she was like, really? That was after the first wash. Now they've had them for two years, and he says they are the softest sheets ever. Every wash, they get softer and softer. I'm telling you, he's a believer. And now his wife's like, can't we buy Bowling Branch for every bed in the house? And he's like, we can, and they're going to because they're the best sheets. So here now with Christmas, it's time to take advantage of this incredible deal. 25% off site-wide plus free shipping when you use the promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at BolandBranch.com. That's BolandBranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. Promo code ERIC, offer ends December 4th. Like my friend, who's a preacher, yes, they get softer every wash. They're the best sheets you will own. BolandBranch.com, promo code ERIC, offer ends December 4th. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson. And yes, you can be a part of the program. 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, I got to play you uh, this audio. Adam Schiff was on one of the Sunday shows. And listen carefully to what he says about possibly being subpoenaed by the Republicans when they take over in January. I have to ask, if you are subpoenaed by Republicans when they take over, will you comply? Um, you know, we'll have to consider the validity of the subpoena, uh, but uh, I would certainly view my obligation, the administration's obligation to follow the law, um, and the fact that they have disrespected the law uh, is not a precedent I would hope that would be broadly followed, but we'll have to look at the legitimacy or lack of legitimacy of what they do. Um, the legitimacy or lack of legitimacy what they do, isn't that the Republican line that the media said wasn't? legit that if you're subpoenaed you're subpoenaed and you got to comply with the subpoena and now the democrats are taking the same line and so much of the media is allowing them to get away with it really that's what you're going to do that's what you're going to go with really um i'm just not sure that that is what you want to do but that's what they're going with. And they're going to let them get away with it. You know, the other thing they want to do now that they're not going to be able to do in a lame duck or next year, although you can tell where the conversations are going, this is going to be one of the things they decide to go after Republicans on. Action on guns, that's possible? Or you do you think assault weapons, the so-called assault weapons ban, is the one piece of legislation you'll try for? Ah, the assault weapons ban. That was Dana, Lash, Dana Bash asking the question. That's where they want to go. I want to tell you guys a little about a group I've been working with, Americans for Prosperity. Maybe you've heard of them. They're the largest grassroots network in the country, fighting to expand freedom and opportunity so that we can unleash prosperity in America again. Here's what I like about Americans for Prosperity. They focus on building movements at the community level, not Washington, D.C. That's actually how I first came to know them, in Georgia, helping rise up the Tea Party movement in 2010. They understand we're not going to find solutions in Washington. we got to take power out of Washington. 
that's going to have to come from Americans like you outside the Beltway bubble. That's why I'm excited to partner with Americans for Prosperity to provide an effective platform where we can talk to our fellow Americans and advocate for solutions to the most critical challenges facing the country. I encourage you to learn more about Americans for Prosperity by going to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. Hi there, it is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Okay, I gotta say something. Some of you aren't gonna like it. I watched the Florida versus FSU game this weekend. I guess it was what, Friday night? And it had way more excitement than the 90 minutes of soccer that I attempted to watch between the U.S. and the U.K. that ended in a 0-0 score. I have friends who love soccer. My son loves soccer. My 13-year-old wanted to watch the game. So we watched the game. About halfway through the game, he looks at me and he says, now I understand why y'all aren't enthusiastic about coming to my soccer games. (laughs) We we actually do love to go watch the soccer games. Uh, But yeah, watching, being at the game is far more exciting than watching on TV. Like baseball to me. I love baseball games. I like baseball, but I don't like to watch it on TV. I am positive if I went to a soccer game, given the rowdiness of the crowds, I would have an excellent time. But I did not find it exciting. What, what I, I, I'm mesmerized by are my number of friends who were trying to explain to me how exciting of a game a scoreless game was and that the U.K. is so excellent and we held them. And, and so we got a tie. And, and so I appreciate that. I really do. And I feel very badly for the Iranians at the World Cup where if they don't beat us, they may go home to die. I mean, the, the Iranian regime is kind of nuts. But it's just not my thing. God bless you if it is. Um, you can do it all over again in, I guess, what, four years we do this thing? Um, I just find the NFL, American football, way better. I, so I, I actually found the reason it's called soccer in this country. And it makes a lot of sense. It's actually a British word. It's not an American invention. And it's called soccer in other places, um, Australia, as is some parts of Canada, New Zealand, and others. So here, here's the reason we call it soccer. They call it football. So back in the 1800s, there were two forms of football. There was uh, rugger football, which came to be known as rugby. And there was association football, which became known as football to Europeans. In this country, we had two types of football as well. The association football, that for the rest of the world is football, we call it soccer, and uh, American rules football, which to this day we in this country call football. Well, at Cambridge University in the 1800s, to distinguish between rugger football and association football, uh, they called rugger football rugby and association football ossaker, which became soccer. Uh, for association, um, and soccer did not stick in Great Britain, but it became a way to designate 
American rules football and association football in this country, and we kept soccer, um, and football became American football in this country. It was actually soccer, though, as a British word. It didn't stick in Britain, but it began to stick, particularly in Australia, where they have Australian rules football and rugby, uh, which are very close to the same, and then you have um, association football, which is soccer. They call it soccer there as well. I was fascinated by the history. I assumed it was an American invention. It is actually a British word out of Cambridge University, and soccer was actually so for short for association and football. Um, and it has taken the world over, but not in this country, where American football has more excitement on the field in its four quarters than you get from soccer generally. But I appreciate the the fans of soccer. I actually do. I don't mean that sarcastically. I really do. People get really excited about uh, scoreless games and the strategy on the field and all of that. And I don't. I watched most of the game, but I kind of got bored and I moved on to college football uh, where I was well entertained. And then the NFL, poor old Aaron Rodgers, it's time to put that guy out to pasture in any event. I'll move on now. But... I just figured I needed to say that. I will go to the phones now. 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program. Tracy, you're up next. Welcome. How are you? Hey, Eric. Can't wait to try that gravy recipe. Thanks for sending it out. Sure. Uh, Listen, I think in a perfect world, Democrats and Republicans would vote for a good policy, whether it's bad or good. But we're not in that perfect world. And um, I see that I just got a notice that there are six Republican senators that are going to vote for the Respect for Marriage Act. Help me understand why the Republicans can't seem to keep their team together to vote. Oh, okay. Um, let, let me let me just say a couple of things here. I was actually going to get to this later, but I'm I'm glad you called. I'll get to it now. You can save me from my soccer commentary. <laughs> Um, so, okay. So the Republicans, about nine or 10 of them want to vote for the federal redefinition of marriage, uh, to essentially ratify in the federal code, uh, both gay marriage and interracial marriage. This comes from the Clarence Thomas concurring opinion in the Dobbs case that there's no such thing as substantive due process, uh, which means we have to reconsider the decisions on interracial marriage and gay marriage, um, that they would have to be found in other places. Now, Clarence Thomas is not someone who wants to get rid of interracial marriage because he's in one. He doesn't want to invalidate uh, his own marriage, but his point is that substantive due process is a judicially constructed idea uh, derived by judges, not found in the Constitution, and allows judges to find rights in the 14th Amendment that are not necessarily contemplated by the drafters of the 14th Amendment to be there. So Congress wants to ratify gay marriage and interracial marriage, and understandably so. Now, if you're a Christian, you've got a hard time thinking that Congress should define marriages between anything other than a man and a woman because God himself created the institution of marriage and made it between a man and a woman. There are nine or 10 Republicans that'll go down that road and privately, more of them agree, they just don't wanna come out and admit it. 
the reason Republicans have a hard time hurting the cats on this issue is because the Republican Party is actually more diverse on these issues than the Democratic Party. You are hard-pressed these days to find a uh, pro-traditional marriage, pro-life Democrat. And you can find a pro-abortion, pro-gay marriage Republican uh, anywhere you look. They're all over the place. The problem I have with this, at a political level, I understand they want to take it off the table. Whether I agree or not, I understand the politics of it. They don't want this attack. They want to be rid of this issue. They don't think we're going to put the genie back in the bottle of Obergefell. You might as well put it in the law of the land, marriages between two individuals regardless of sex. Particularly when in in some states like Massachusetts now, they're already moving on to polygamy being okay. You might as well pass federal law and say actually marriages between two consenting adults regardless of sex. And again, whether you or I agree with that or not, and people of faith, I don't think really can agree with that. I at least can understand the politics of doing it. The problem here is that these Republicans are not willing to give very clear language on religious liberty protections. The drafters of the legislation claim there already are religious liberty protections, but they're very nebulous protections, vaguely referencing the First Amendment. Mike Lee, the senator from Utah, has an amendment he wants to submit and get a vote on that would make it very clear marriage redefined does not impact faith-based institutions. Because if you will recall in the arguments before the Supreme Court that led up to the Obergefell same-sex marriage decision, the Solicitor General at the time in the Obama administration suggested at some point the government could come for the tax-exempt status of faith-based organizations that refused to go along with gay marriage. He said that. He admitted it. What Mike Lee's amendment would do is make it very clear that uh, any institution that objects to same-sex marriage based on their sincerely held religious beliefs cannot be punished by the government. It seems like it's a no-brainer, particularly when these people claim they support religious liberty exemptions, they should vote for Lee's Amendment, which clarifies the language. Because again, the language in the legislation is very, very nebulous. You could get a federal judge who reads into it something that's not there or reads out of it something that was meant to be there under the language as it exists now by its vague reference to uh, this doesn't impact religious liberty under the First Amendment. You add Mike Lee's language to the legislation, it clarifies it for everyone. And these Republicans who say they support religious liberty should go along with it unless they don't really support religious liberty unless they're just trying to say that to avoid attacks. Um, It is very difficult, however, in the United States Senate to get everyone on the same page. And that's one of the things that, uh, whether you like Mitch McConnell or not, he knows how to pick his battles on this, and that you've already got these 10 senators who are fairly strident on the issue to begin with. They want this legislation to pass. You're in a lame duck session. The election is over. There's no leverage on these people. If this was a fight in the run-up to the election, there would be more leverage to try to get them to carve out these exceptions. But there really isn't any leverage, so he's not picking the fight. But I think someone needs to pick the fight. And credit to Mike Lee, Ted Cruz, Rand Paul, and others for picking the fight on this. 
This legislation, if it passes, should have additional religious liberty protections. It does not right now. Um, Mike Lee has this uh, at Fox News. 12 Senate Republicans joined all 50 Senate Democrats to secure the supermajority needed to advance the legislation. Those voting for the bill relied on assurances from the bill's proponents that it would codify the core tenets of Obergefell without undermining religious liberty. While the tension between same-sex marriage and religious liberty might not be obvious to many, legal experts have long understood there is legitimate risk that without robust protections in place, federal recognition of same-sex marriage could read against the backdrop, read against the backdrop of various federal statutes and the way they have been interpreted by the Supreme Court, inflict harm on those who, for reasons rooted in sincerely held religious beliefs or moral convictions, do not embrace same-sex marriage. One potential manifestation of this risk was highlighted in a famous exchange between Justice Alito and then Solicitor General Varelli at the time Obergefell was argued, in which Varelli correctly and repeatedly acknowledged that once same-sex marriage is recognized, many colleges, universities, and other nonprofits could lose their tax-exempt status. While many senators aware of this and other concerns, the uh, Religious Freedom or the, the Redefinition of Marriage Act leading proponents amending the bill by adding protections for religious service attendance and the solemnization of marriage. But those protections are inadequate to address many of the gravest risks. There's still time to amend the bill. And I have proposed an amendment with Senators Braun, Crapo, Cruz, Graham, Hawley, Johnson, Marshall, Paul, Rich, Sass, Scott of Florida, Thune, and Wicker that would essentially eliminate the threats the bill currently poses to religious freedom. My simple common sense amendment would prohibit the federal government from retaliating against any person or group for adhering to sincerely held religious beliefs and moral convictions about marriage. In no way would my amendment appear the, the legislation's ability to perform its simple stated purpose to protect same-sex marriage against an extremely unlikely scenario in which the Supreme Court one day overturns Obergefell. My amendment adds protections without creating the type of zero-sum dynamic that would surely follow from the bill's passage and occurrence forum. Every member of the Senate should support these religious liberty protections. This is another one of those reasons why people in Georgia should go vote for Herschel Walker. Raphael Warnock does not support. A man who claims to be a pastor of a Christian church does not support religious liberty protection for Christian churches on this legislation. The amendment should be a no-brainer. But the election being over in a lame duck session with some of these people leaving, there's no leverage to push them through unless people get very loud and people should get very loud about it and demand religious liberty protections. They really need these religious liberty protections. And Mike Lee's amendment would clarify a whole lot about the legislation in ways that I think are necessary. But again... It's a lot easier to find Republicans who disagree than Democrats because Republicans actually have more intellectual ideological diversity these days than the Democratic Party. Right now, I need to tell you, the Eden Pure Thunderstorm, uh, firing them up, use them. My goodness, they actually work. They eliminate bad odors. You can get rid of litter box odors, pet odors, um, smelly odors in your car, in your hotel room, in your basement. The Eden Pure Thunderstorm, you get three of them by going to EdenPureDeals.com and putting in the discount code ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3, EdenPureDeals.com. They are odor eliminators. Yes, you can use them as an air purifier. They trap uh, particles on electrostatic plates. 
I don't use it as, a, as an air purifier though. I use it as an odor eliminator if there are smoke odors in a rental car or in a hotel room or litter box odors or musty mildewy odors. You can fire up the Impure Thunderstorm and it wipes them out. And right now you get three of them for less than $200. You're saving $200. You get free shipping. So you get one for upstairs, one for downstairs, one for your basement or your travel bag, your RV. I keep one in my suitcase. If there's been, for example, on multiple occasions, people have smoked to the rental car before I got it. The Eden Pure takes care of those odors. You can plug it up with a USB cord or plug it directly into a wall. EdenPureDeals.com. Eden, like the Garden of Eden, pure is the driven snow. EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code is ERIC3. You get three of them for less than $200. Hi there. It is Eric Erickson here. This hour of the program brought to you by the fine folks at First Liberty Building Loan in Noonan, Georgia. Now, I tell you Noonan, Georgia, but if you're in California, Hawaii, Maine, Florida, Ohio, Oklahoma, don't let that dissuade you. They can help you too. They make their own lending decisions. If you've got a business, and this is for businesses, and you need $750,000 or more for big projects like buying a building or building a building or growing a franchise, buying a franchise, reach out to First Liberty. They might be able to help you. They make their own decisions. And where banks are telling you no, they want to tell you yes if they can. Spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a good fit for them. FirstLibertyGA.com. FirstLibertyGA.com. Tell them I sent you. The Frost family have known them for years. They're good, good people. Then they've been doing this since the 90s. They want to help your business grow. FirstLibertyGA.com. All right. We got other stuff we got to talk about. Uh, appreciate the phone calls, though. 877-973-7425. When we come back, I want to switch gears a little bit. There's a couple of actual opinion columns out that I want to spend some time with on uh, isolation and weariness right now, which are becoming things, uh, mental health issues, clearly becoming a thing in the country. We don't get a lot of mental health issues uh, covered by the media, although it's starting to, we're starting to have the sense that because of COVID and lockdowns, it's something to be talked about. I want to talk about a little bit. Right now, though, I got to tell you, interestingly enough, uh, in China, the Chinese broadcasters are censoring crowd shots of the World Cup because the people there are not in masks. And the Chinese do not want people in China to see a crowd without masks on. In China, they are um, rioting in the streets in Beijing and elsewhere because of the draconian lockdowns in Chinese society right now. And uh, the people are getting tired of it. People are exhausted by the lockdown policies. Even Tony Fauci is on television criticizing the draconian policies in China, which is amazing in his exit interviews as he walks out the door. Uh, We'll make it into what he says later. But when we come back, let's talk about American self-imposed isolation. If you're like me and you hate people, you do it. But should we be doing it? Let's discuss.